Welcome to the Shutdown Full Cast. Oh man, what a treat. You know, I think normally when we're we're in the off season, we enjoy examining, you know, who we are as both as sort of, you know, college football fans and culturally where where we sit in all of this. But there's one thing that for me has always been a a source of wonder, fascination, and also confusion. And that's that's the Midwest, and in particular, Ohio. And I don't know if Holly gets this quite as much as, as Ryan would. Ryan, you and I both lived in Florida. Uh, a good 30% of people there are, are overlap. They came from Ohio to Florida, or they're in Florida hiding from someone in Ohio. And um, you don't ask too many questions about that. You just let them go um, and meet them at the Sunglass Hut. Is this is it baffling to you as well as a as a person who spent considerable time in the Sunshine State, um, the overlap between the two and the differences? Um, the overlap's not baffling because like this is that sort of thing where, you know, people are surprised that there are rednecks or racists or whatever in parts of the country that aren't the American South. People will go be like, boy, I went to. I went to Minnesota and there are races. Yeah, man, there are races everywhere. It's amazing how that works. So like the overlap doesn't surprise me because I assume you're talking about like uh, the kind of people who think, oh, I'm going to make my own fireworks. And the fact that there are. You Wait, know, now that's Tennessee. Mm, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, that's a pretty strong overlap there. I don't know. Okay, but the difference in Tennessee is. I'm going to make my own fireworks because this family has done that for generations in yeah, Florida. It's, it's in, a craftsmanship thing in Florida and Ohio. It's I woke up on a Tuesday. and didn't have anything to do. What if I made my own fireworks? Yeah, fair. So, the, but the differences, the differences are more interesting to me because Florida just seems like it's more, it's sort of a, uh, a flame to the dirt bag moth. And I don't understand <laughs> Like I get, I get why people, I get why dirtbags come to Florida because you can flee to the ocean, and you know Florida is just sort of made for dirtbag behavior. Ohio doesn't feel like it's as well built for that, so so that that confuses me a little bit, just like geographically. It's not surrounded on water by three sides, right? Like Correct. that to me, like the sea will always swallow my mistakes, right? right. <laughs> but, right. but also, Florida's never set a river on fire. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, not not for a lack of trying. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So, in, in other to, words, to that end, yeah. In, in other words, a full cast tradition of getting really accomplished people to, um, you know, like we're gonna bring we're gonna bring their rent down. Basically, we're gonna get them on here and we'll ask them about, you know, we'll we'll ask them about topics, you know, dumb topics we care about, and and they're gonna sound real smart about it. This is um, we have a guest tonight to help us understand the mysteries of uh, Ohio, Ohio State, Columbus. And other things. Uh, Holly? I- I'm not the guest. Sorry. No. Uh, our guest tonight is Hanif Abdurraqib, uh, late of our beautiful short-lived run at MTV. Uh, he's an accomplished poet. His third book uh, is about Tribe Called Quest. It's fixing to come out. It has an amazing start cover that I'm going to ask him about later. Um we tend to always try and get the the cover writer of Poets Magazine on the show at this time of year. And in keeping with that tradition, uh, Hanif, welcome. It's been too long. Thanks, y'all, for having me. Uh, can I tell a funny Florida, Ohio story that involves 
uh, a hardware store that looked like a strip club. Please do. Mm, you must. That sounds like where <laughs> I have my sweet 16. I've already given the ending, uh, but I used to um, be in a relationship with someone whose parents, much like many Ohioans in rural Ohio, would like take the holidays and just go to Florida. Um, and so that means that I would have to, not have to, but you know, um, I would find myself uh, making very long and tedious road trips from Ohio to Florida. And the first time we went, um, we and I don't remember what part of Florida this was. I know it's like a little past Jacksonville, uh, where a lot of the older folks, I'm trying not to be ageist, uh, a lot of the more seasoned veterans of our hollow world um, mm-hmm. would go for the holidays. And um, the first time we went, we pulled in to their, like on their street. Um, and it was like three in the morning. We'd been driving all night. And across the street from their house was this gigantic, um, this gigantic structure, this gigantic store with red and green and blue flashing lights like coming up from the ground and illuminating the the like storefront and all you can see is the word babes like the word babes is just written across <laughs> the front and, like, and it's just like flashing and i was like whoa your parents live across from what appears to be a gentleman's club which of course you know like i it was like not i was mostly shocked because i was not expecting this and then uh, when I woke up the next morning, I realized it was Babe's Hardware uh, in a hardware store because <laughs> my, my old partner's father was like, I'm going to, in the morning, he was like, I got to run over to Babe to grab some things. And I was like, oh, no way, man. Like, <laughs> but it turns out he just needed, like, nails to put up a Christmas wreath. Um, and- so that that is my... I haven't been back to Florida. Well, that's not true. I was in Tallahassee last year. Um, but I, I haven't been back to Florida for pleasure in a while. Not that that was a pleasure, but it was an obligation. I, I like that you mentioned that that Ohio, like we would just, they would just go to Florida for the holidays, implying that like there was a kind of lack of planning or pointlessness to it. Like we're there. And isn't that the holiday? Even if you were just hanging out at like an outlet mall. I like the description as like an unfortunate condition. Yeah. <laughs> we were just there. Yeah. In some ways it is. I think like, as I mean, a lot of folks in, um, you know, rural Ohio is, is um, very much, even if it's northern rural Ohio, there's an infatuation with the southern aesthetic. Um, and I know I joke, I joke about Confederate flags, or, or not joke, they're real, they're all over the place. Um, but they're all over the place here. Um, but I, I do think there's an infatuation with like how quickly um, can we kind of like age out of this rural landscape and slowly plant our flag, some our Confederate flag, somewhere more south. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of folks kind of slowly matriculate, and it begins with the holiday, right? Like folks will like holiday in Florida or holiday in Georgia. Um, and then it's like, oh, I'm going to spend, you know, all the winter months here. And then before you know it, it's like, I'm here half the year or I'm selling my land. Because in Ohio, um, folks can just get a lot of money. If you have land that can be farmed, you can rent it out and make an absurd amount of money. Um, and so you really don't even, it doesn't even matter if your house is on that land or not. You just, the land is what provides 
the money for you to live somewhere else. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of like the, the, the destination that people have on their, on their forever mood board. It's like a migratory bird that's, that's given up. That's sort of like, eh, I'm not going to have <laughs> yeah. sex anymore. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, it I- I'm is. Sorry. Really. I mean, I- I'm sorry. What is, what is unusual about, you know, please don't get personal. Please don't get personal. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick. Let me ask you, have all of you ever spent um, Christmas in like a, in like a cold climate place? I don't really know how long y'all have lived wherever y'all have lived. So yeah, I have, I've lived in New York for, uh, I'm from Tennessee. So we occasionally get snow, right. but it's usually 55 and raining. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've spent plenty of cold Christmases at this point, although I never had as a child. So it's, it was very foreign to me until Ryan lives here. in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. I'm a failure and I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that to say, I think that like warm weather Christmases really bug me off. And so, and I didn't grow, also, I mean, the very question, I didn't grow up celebrating Christmas at all. And so the concept of celebrating Christmas really bugged me. And now I'm kind of going on my, like, you know, because this year I spent Christmas in Mexico, which was uh, decidedly not cool. And so I'm beginning to wonder if I'm ever going to, in in Christmas, because I didn't grow up celebrating, I don't have the kind of um, deep affection for it. I don't have any kind of romantics about it. Um, and so the things that I loved most about Christmas growing up were just the pure aesthetics. So like lights, the snow, the cold. And so at this stage of my adult life, I'm being really jarred out of that because, um, you know, for at least what I imagine or hope for the foreseeable future, I'm going to be spending Christmas in like warm weather, like in Arizona or Mexico. Right. And so, so what you need is like, what you need is like instead of the holiday Yule log, you need Netflix to come out with some hour long thing that's just like here's a window that appears to be looking out onto a snowy like a snowy embankment with Christmas lights in the background so you can get that vibe and then you can still wear shorts and like have a cocktail. Yeah, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Problem solved. Yeah, now you you also you grew up you grew up in Ohio. Uh, was it in the Columbus area? Yeah, born and raised in Columbus. And now back in Columbus, hopefully forever. Well, with that, my explanation, you know, in terms of, of Ohio State and in terms of just that that culture, it, it's always somewhere between, like, I, I just have to list, like, I just have to make an objective correlative of it, right? Like, I just have to go, um, okay, the tan and wash, Owning a CrossFit gym that's really just in your garage, um, yeah. a sweatshirt, right? Um, you know, supplements, various supplements. Just like it is to those who haven't been to an Ohio State game, there is an intense brohemdom across the board that it's really unparalleled anywhere else. And that's just me going to games there, right? Um, yeah. Very cold games. That concrete. That concrete is engineered to get colder. I don't. Like, it is. Yeah. It's engineered to keep cold in and repel heat. I do not know how they did it. Engineers. Which is kind of metal. I it is. It really is. Like it, it's metal as hell. But is that is that sort of the read? Just on like you know maybe not on Columbus as, as a whole, but certainly on like 
Ohio State and everything that's sort of surrounding it? Well, I mean, Columbus is essentially just Ohio State and, and things surrounding it, right? Um, there are like some things. I feel like I should I should come <laughs> clean about a few things yeah. right now. One, I uh, though I mean I'm from Columbus, and so by just default, I'm an Ohio State fan to some degree. I grew up a Texas fan, a UT fan, um, and so I'm, I'm I was a very intense UT fan for a lot of years like from the James Brown era, like James Brown was the first UT quarterback I remember like absolutely loving. Um, but because I live in Columbus, um, by default, you know, like I just know way too much about Ohio State football and root for Ohio State when they're not playing Texas, which unfortunately there was a run where that seemed like it was happening all the time. I didn't go to Ohio State because, um, and I think, People just assume I went to Ohio State because I came up in Columbus, so now I just tell people that I did. But I played soccer in college, and Ohio State was kind of like, you can walk on. But it was kind of like one of those, you can walk on, but then I was like, but you're never going to play. And so I was like, oh, I should go somewhere else. Um, but yeah. I should have to say, I think um, I'm really fortunate because I um, got to witness two really great eras of Ohio State football, which – you know, I think the Urban Meyer era, I think people look back on very fondly for obvious reasons, but I loved the kind of absurdity of the John Cooper era where it was like the dude could just like recruit really well. And so every year Ohio State would roll out these absurd rosters, but then something dramatically bad would happen. Um, I kind of loved that. I loved being a witness. That I loved like, you know, Andy Katzenmoyer not making grades. And I loved, you know, watching them repeatedly lose to Michigan, not because I take some pleasure in it, but because it was kind of this very, very Ohio thing to be close, but then not at all close. For, for like the longest time that was, that yeah. was the deal that Ohio state was, was your, was America's second place team always like always. And there was like, there's kind of a comfort in that. Cause you go, ah, you know what? Yeah, There's something beautiful and relatable about that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we're yeah. second, man. We're great. Everyone's going to the NFL and we, we, you know, occasionally get big pops like that. Those Ohio state teams underrated for this, the big pop, like they'd always have one sort of highlight that ESPN would latch onto, uh, maybe somewhat problematically. I don't know if you remember when Andy Katzenmoyer rounded the corner on an option and broke Kobe Jones face from Missouri. I um, yeah. I remember thinking that I was like, yeah, I was like, ah, that's. I was like, that's the most Ohio shit I've ever seen. <laughs> what is it? A bunch of guys cheering when a man gets hospitalized for a broken face. <laughs> that's. And ESPN's like, well, yeah, man, you got lit up. <laughs> we used to do that. I thought I thought Captain Moyer. Uh, I mean, Captain is back here coaching now. Um, like many Ohio State legends who came up in the Columbus area, like a lot of them end up not leaving. Right. So, I mean, Katzen Moyer is the most notable, but he's like back coaching at his own old high school. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I loved, I also love the Trestle era, but I, I think that um, I was really into the Trestle era when the championship run happened because it seemed so improbable because Craig Krenzel was the quarterback. And, 
I, I most love living in Columbus. <laughs> because people would make up all kinds of things about like, you know, people would really try to convince themselves that Craig Krenzel was very good when he was obviously like extremely limited, but, but one of those quarterbacks that, you know, was scrappy in the, the, the whole thing that people say about quarterbacks where they quote unquote, just know how to win. And people mm-hmm. would like talk about Craig Krenzel as if Ohio state wasn't literally loaded. You know what I mean? Like, Offensive line, yeah. wide receiver, like they, that team was loaded. And they'd be like, well, you know, Craig Krenzel's just like scrapping by. We don't know how he's doing it week after week. He's just somehow willing this team to victory. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. We <laughs> don't. Yeah. Like a lot of, there's like a lot of all Americans. Oh, now I miss Joe Bowserman. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know why. Uh, we don't do that. We don't do that with like animals, you know? It's not like, yeah, man, the penis worm. He's just getting things done. He just knows how to win. Just find it a niche and just, just, just did live it out. Did you just say niche right there? Yeah, which I well, did. That's super necessary. Yes, also, I, I like that this is the first animal you went with. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, you know, like, like surrounded by like the most successful, like animal, like in, in like the world. Oh right? yeah. The penis worm. What? The human. Oh. The human. Penis worm's got to Right? Like, Ohio State's this big, nice organism, right? Like, oh, boy. outstanding pattern of survival and thriving. And all of a sudden, like, this worm's like, I'm the champion! Right? You know, you're just hitchhiking, uh-huh. man. Uh-huh. I can't... You're disgracing Joe Germain's memory right now. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Joe Bowserman, and I was like, is that possible to disgrace Joey B's legacy? Oh, I I remember Joe Germain um, largely. Well, I remember Joe Germain because he was often in a quarterback battle with a significantly worse Sammy Jackson. But I also remember Joe Germain because of the chin bandage that he had to wear. Maybe in the Fiesta Bowl or something, he got. I just remember he got hit by someone, and his his chin got like cut open, and he had to finish the game wearing a chin bandage. And I was pretty young when this happened, so I just had this visceral memory of Joe Germain doing a post-game interview with, like, blood on his white jersey and a chin bandage that was, like, obviously soaked in blood. Um, and that was, like, the, you know, again, the kind of mythology built around that, especially here, uh, oh, yeah. where it's, like, everyone loves the kind of performative blue collarness of it all. It was like, oh, he's just such a gamer. You know, he's just such a... in uh, that that has its drawbacks, obviously. Um <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy the Urban Myers the Urban Meyer era's like complete lack of respect for that. They're like, yeah, what we need is a gritty quarterback, and he's like, here's a guy who runs a four five and can throw the ball seventy yards downfield. And Ohio State fans are like, that's cool too. No, that's cool. But Hanif has hit on something here that, that like the most Ohio State quarterback traditionally is the one for whom it looks the hardest, the one for whom like everything requires maximum effort. And nothing, it never looks easy. That's the yeah, it's most like the, Ohio the State tax, quarterback. It, it's like the taxonomical opposite of Roger Federer, right? Right. <laughs> the anti-Federer. <laughs> right. No, oh my God, it's Andy yeah, Murray. It's, <laughs> it's actually Andy <laughs> Murray. It's exactly Andy Murray. That's was the, that's constantly the, like, dying. And that's why Cardale Jones was so confusing, because it was just like, wait, this doesn't, hold on. This doesn't look hard at all. What no, the hell's he has going possession on? of all his limbs at the same time. What is this shit? <laughs> That's the best thing about Cardale. Is that Cardale, like, like, you just can't walk into the... Oh, he just did. Just walked in and... Yeah. But Todd, well, Beck- well, Todd Beckman, he's, he's 
Todd Beckman's anaerobic from the minute he starts. He's immediately. <laughs> are you kidding me? Burning ATP all over the place. But see, with with Cardale, you had. A- it looked it looked easy though until it didn't, right? And like it looked right. easy for a couple games. Yeah. And it was like, oh wait a minute, right? He maybe can't read a defense at all, right? Like right. maybe he just threw the ball really fun, you know. And that was cool. Like that was really great to watch. And I, lo- I mean, trust me, like I was there cheering it on, and I loved the mythology of like next guy up, kind of. But also, I think that people didn't imagine that maybe Urban Meyer's just good at coaching quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe the whole like maybe this is just Urban Meyer's thing. So all these dudes are good. And I remember the slow realization in, in Columbus the year after the title where it was kind of like, you know, a couple games and people were like, oh, Cardell, you know, he'll get it. It's fine. And then a couple couple more games, like, oh, well, you know, maybe he's not that – maybe he's just not that good. <laughs> and I think I, that happens here too where the machinery turns. The machinery can turn on a dime of, of people who love, love the Ohio State quarterback until they don't. Um, you know, everyone loved Braxton Miller until, until he was playing wide receiver. <laughs> You know, and they love the men just in a different way. Everyone loved Braxton Miller as a quarterback until it got found out that he could maybe not be a quarterback. This episode is brought to you by American Style from CNN. Did you know Jackie Kennedy used fashion as a form of diplomacy? When she visited France, she wore an outfit from French designer Givenchy instead of her favorite American designer. And historians say it worked. American Style is the new CNN original series that examines how our country's changing style through the decades has mirrored the political, social, and economic climate of the time. American Style, now streaming on CNN Go. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. I just I just thought, like, Braxton Miller, you just go, I think your collarbones, your collarbones aren't quite up to code, right? Like, that's, there's just certain guys who get on the field at quarterback – and, and Meyer does this. Meyer, Meyer did this with pretty much, and and will do it again when he takes another job in three years. Notre Dame, two years, two years. Yeah, Notre Dame, two years, Notre because Notre Dame's going to open up. Yep. Um, but when that happens, like those quarterbacks always took kind of a thumping, and I'd like he'd run up the middle, and I'm like, he is a bit fine boned for the demands of the, of the QB power yeah. up the middle. He's t- he's too pretty for this. Put him yeah. on the perimeter. Let him embarrass somebody. For everyone, you know, like that read option is not like a lot of people are waking up in the morning. Also, like I would love to just have my health be determined by a split second decision every time I snap the ball. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and my longevity and my career. Yeah, it's wild. I think. I mean, a problem with a thing that's funny about Ohio State football, particularly that reared its head again this year, is that. So I think the worst thing that happened in the in the national in the Ohio realm of football was that um, Ohio State won their bowl game, which, like, admittedly, like, no disrespect to Washington, but 
you know, after they played Washington. You know what I mean? Like, Washington's fine, but they should have beat Washington. So that was good, but also bad because Alabama lost. And then you got Ohio State fans like, well, surely we can beat Bama. When it's like, no. We go through this all the time, every year. Every year it's like, surely we can beat Alabama. Or surely we can beat, like, insert SEC power. And it's like, but, you know, maybe, but also probably not, you know? Uh, certainly not this year. There are years where I think that argument can be made, but this wasn't that year. And I think Ohio State fans have just an, a, a deeply rooted bitterness for the SEC because of the Florida, those like years that they lost to Florida. Yeah. Um, there was that year, this, uh, this year was messed up. There was that year they lost to Florida in football and then later lost to Florida in, in basketball. basketball. Yeah, that was 2000 and, uh, 2006. Six, yeah. Yeah. And I was, and, and both, both times, I remember that year, the football year, because, um, I remember having a real realization. I was in a watching perhaps sports center with some kind of whatever, with some Ohio State fans. And earlier in the day, my friends and I had all been talking, like, oh, you know, Troy Smith, it was when Troy Smith was quarterback. Well, he'll be fine. He can, he's mobile. He can outrun the defensive linemen. And then ESPN showed this graphic that was like, you know, both of Florida's defensive linemen run the same 40 time as Troy Smith, or like one was faster. And we were like, oh, no. <laughs> Which isn't to say the big thing is slow, but I do think that you can look. Um, it has like a deceptive, kind of a deceptive nature to it. Where like that year, Troy Smith just ran all over the place. He could like was intuitive. His scrambling was um, useful, and he looked quick. And then against Florida, he looked like, you know, he looked like an offensive lineman back there. Uh, if I recall, he like gained a little weight in between there the. Was the- <laughs> He had he had my he had maybe the worst case of buffet bloat from the awards yeah. circuit that I've ever seen, and that's to say that like he went from you know because I am in cut peak physical condition myself at all times, but he went from he went from basically like a perfectly fit FBS quarterback right to an FBS quarterback who had gained ten pounds, and that's it right, and then yeah. to heighten. Yeah. To heighten the gain, he had Earl Everett, right, and every other single swamp monster on our team, right on the on the defensive line and at linebacker, chasing him in the backfield. Sometimes without helmets on. That was the game where Earl Everett lost his helmet and still yeah. got after Troy Smith, which is the point where I knew we weren't just going to win the game, but we were going to full asset. You're like, oh yeah, this is. And, yeah. But Ooh. you know who really bears the blame for that? It's not Ohio mm. State. It's Michigan because. If mm-hmm. Michigan had not been pissing and moaning about, oh, it should have been a rematch, Florida doesn't belong there, we should have just played the game again, but for the net, like, I, I think then Florida would not, I, I still think Florida probably wins the game. I don't think they take the effort, take the time and effort to be like, no, we really want to show you how lucky you are that <laughs> it wasn't you, Michigan, here yeah. in our place. And I think that's necessary. It's necessary every now and then to like be. Listen, I I think the the fine fellows at University of Central Florida are probably great in their wonderful in many ways, uh, and good for them for making the underdogs such as myself feel like they're capable of anything. However, I think you know you you get to talking all that shit, and then 
I was talking about that, like, we want we want to play everyone. It's like, no, fam, mm-hmm. like, you're going to lose by a lot. You know what I mean? And I know that last year was, was a good year for UCF, but, like, I don't think UCF wanted to play Bama or Clemson or yeah. they nope. didn't have it. And I think it's fine to not have it or it's fine to perhaps have it and not be certain that you have it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think every year Ohio State is not in the championship game. They imagine that they could be in the championship game. But also... As long as they keep beating Michigan, you know, it's a, there's a real, the reality is like Ohio State could go, you could win two games a season. And as long as one of those games is Michigan, I think people here would be content, especially the manner in which they've been beating Michigan lately. Um, you know, there was like, I, I know that Michigan has beaten Ohio State in my adult life, like post, you know, like in my 20s close to my 20s, but I can't remember it. I can't remember what happened. It probably, it had to have happened that year that, um, like, Fickle was coaching, but I don't <laughs> even know for sure if it happened that year. The, the year. the year that, uh, the year that Florida again beat Ohio State, but it was in the taxslayer.com <laughs> bowl. Yeah. <laughs> which, that was which, a rough year, but I love, I love that they, I love that, uh, they still made a bowl that year. There's probably too many bowls, but, I'm glad they still made a bowl. That was the one that they that, that was the bowl that they took that that I believe invalidated a better bowl claim later. The the hubris bowl, yes. This is yeah. the bowl this is the bowl that they played in and then had a bowl ban the year they went undefeated. And instead <laughs> we got to see Notre Dame get absolutely trampled by Alabama. <laughs> How do you keep getting these rolls? I don't know. Yeah. You know that there's a street. So there's there's a street in Columbus that is what was the year they went defeated? They went twelve and zero or whatever. Uh, after that happened, they renamed. So on Lane Avenue in Columbus, they um, at the intersection of Lane and High, where Ohio State is. Well, Ohio State's everywhere, but where Ohio State most prominently is, um, they renamed the street Champions Way the year after they won the Trestle Championship. Yeah. Um, and then. The year when they went undefeated but didn't get to go to a bowl game, they renamed the other side of the street Twelve and O Boulevard or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what really I like, fascinating. What I like about that it's is like, that's like that's just your town. Like it's not like you went yeah. to somebody. It's not like you went somewhere else and said, "Okay, South Bend, we swapped out your street sign. It's Ohio State Twelve and O Lane Don't now." Give- don't give Saints fans ideas. We still got like five <laughs> days till the Super Jesus. Bowl. Are you kidding me? They're probably like writing to the Supreme Court right now. So, do y'all know that the Ohio State? I mean, y'all probably know this because you're like experts in the narratives of college sports, more sports in general. But do you know the Ohio State Michigan the whole thing is like over Toledo? Yeah, I do not. What? Yeah, it's it's the border yeah. war. Yeah, there was like a war. Yeah, there was a Toledo big... like. There's like a long convoluted story in like where no one, someone bought like a, they were like, a, it was like a war, but really no one fought for a long time. And then like someone's son bought like a mail opener to a fight and stabbed a police officer. But at the end of it all, the exchange was that essentially the exchange was that Ohio got Toledo and Michigan got what would later become the Upper Peninsula. Um, so I, I don't really know who, who won or lost that. War, but hey, if you're if you're a fan of frost, if you're a fan, if you're a fan of like seasonal like affective disorder adult fins, then Michigan got the (laughs) upper hand 
there. That's my favorite. Oh yeah, man. Like talk to, like people from the UP are are man, they, they scare people from Michigan. This is also <laughs> I'm looking at this. This is also at the time Michigan's governor was twenty-four years old. What <laughs> the shit? He's the oldest man in the state. His name was Stevens T. Mason, and he was known as the boy governor. Are you kidding me? Did he go on to quarterback for Georgia? <laughs> Excuse me, what year did he go on to quarterback for Georgia? Oh, that's Mason Stevens. He was 7 for 28 against Florida in 1942. Oh. He was a good 73 years old, but a spry one. Don't have a 24-year-old governor. This is a terrible idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the first mistake. Um, but I also think in general, all due respect to Plato, it's wonderful. Um, and, and gave us, uh, the great college career of Columbus, Ohio football legend, Lance Moore, um, who went on to play for the Saints, um, who are yeah. filing a petition of the Supreme Court as they speak. I just kind of think that it's, it's very, for, 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 um, some th- for, for something, an entire nation of boy governors. Also, I, saw, I know this is a college football thing, but I saw that uh, the Saints, there was a Rams cornerback who um, who committed the very blatant pass interference today said something like, Tom Brady's too old or something. It was just very weird. <laughs> I just, oh, no, no, no. It, it's, it's, a better, it's a better quote than that. <laughs> Tom Brady's going to be crying into his poor enlargement mirror for um, six hours listening to this. Because because keep in mind, like, I sort of think that, like, you know, he's going to he's going to take a little bit of an ass whipping in this game because um, just because Aaron Donald's sitting right there and Aaron Donald is not human. Aaron Donald is is one of our is one of our our pet causes because he was. One of the, you know, you get to draft season, you get around this time of year and NFL scouts discover people that we've been screaming about in some cases since they were a sophomore in high school. Um, and Aaron Donald was one of our, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get it wrong, uh, but he, he was one of our, our great loves. Yeah. And like a lot of, not only because he went to Pitt. Yeah. And like a lot of really great NFL players mysteriously ended up at a school that did not wasn't commensurate with his future talent, right? <laughs> like, if you look at if you look at a lot of great NFL players, you're like, ah, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers, where did he go to school? And you're like, mm, Cal, Boone State, Cal, you know, and and then like a community college before that, you know, um, you know, or Aaron Donald who went to Pitt. I mean, no disrespect to Pitt, yeah. it's fine. It's just not where you expect to find the greatest defensive lineman ever born, right? Um, but that defense, in right, addition to right. in, in addition to that, they've got Marcus Peters, who Marcus Peters is live and unfiltered on Instagram at all times, and, and I mean in real life, right? Like it's just what a treasure. Marcus, yeah, Mark, Mark, Marcus Peters is, um, I, I believe he's yeah he's from Oakland and uh, very much oh. has uh, very much has a Marshawn vibe when he's talking about things. Except uh, Marshawn, if he were a DB, which means the shit talking is. 10 times as intense. And then there is uh, Nikel Roby, uh, who said this today of Tom Brady. That's Nikel Roby Coleman. Uh, he said of Tom Brady, and I quote, age has definitely taken a toll on Patriots QB Tom Brady. Wow. 
Maybe he's just calling him ugly. I like is that a, is that a burn in AP style? What is that shit? <laughs> oh, on Patriots QB Tom Brady. Later, no, no, and then was asked. He said, "Well, what about it?" And he goes, "Well, you know, I think he's definitely not the same quarterback he was. Uh, movement, speed, velocity, arm strength. He can still sling it, but he's not slinging that as much. Uh, he's not doing as much of what he used to do anymore." Uh, yeah. Who among us is slinging it like we used to? Do? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is this is fine, right? And of course, later on, he had to come back and say that this was a great compliment, uh, etc. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he's forty-one. I mean, I you can say that about him. He is forty-one. I do think I'm getting a little exhausted by the narrative that's in part being or like largely being built by the Patriots and their fans, where it's like. But no one believed in us narrative, and it's like, come on, everyone uh, literally. Like, I, watched, I watched that Chiefs game. I watched the end of that Chiefs game, knowing the Patriots were going to win the whole time. Most people, I think, tuned into that Chiefs game, understanding the inevitability of the Patriots, and it's just weird that during Super Bowl week we get to the, this narrative where it's like, how did we make it here when no one at all believed in us? Coincidentally, this is the problem that I have with Saints fans, which is you won the super bowl you you came back and you won the super bowl you're not scrappy anymore stop it so i i did agree with hanif until today i realized we should just embrace what the patriots are doing because then we can use that as a back channel to just be like yeah you know what you were a shitty team all year and you fucking sucked and you didn't try that hard. You were a disaster. Like just backload it with all the mean things you want to say. And then at the end be like, but you proved us wrong. You did it. And it's really just a way to <laughs> smuggle a bunch of insults. Like a long distance. Yeah. Bless your hearting. Yes. Correct. Like a big old heart blessing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I or did, a long form bless your hearting. I mean, uh-huh. did you see the the elementary schooler who won a science project uh, based on proving on Tom page? Brady cheats? Proving Tom Brady cheats. Yeah. <laughs> and then, did you see the quote from him at the end? <laughs> so he he won using the science project, which which he said you know he wasn't going to stop talking about because it was going on to the next round, right? Regionally. So he was already like won this playoff game. We should Tom. we should clarify we should clarify where this science project took place. I, I I'm forgetting where was it? K- Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> are they wait? Are science fairs legal? <laughs> as as, lo- as long as Jesus is part of your presentation, yes. <laughs> well, the, Rex Chapman is in this presentation. <laughs> I have a picture of him. Proceed, proceed. <laughs> By the way, Rex Chapman was Rex Chapman today on Twitter. Like, if you don't follow him, fifty-one-year-old man. He was like, "Yeah, man, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna like, I'm gonna keep it real sexy in here today." And he posts a, a picture. He posts the uh, Human Nature remix of SWV's uh, right here. <laughs> like, you have my attention. Like, I, I love everything yeah, happening yeah, here, Rex. I have a Rex. I have to like find this picture and send it to y'all or something. Because I tweeted, I got this Rex Chapman. You know those like old school '90s hoodies where the basketball players have really large heads. Yeah. Um, I got one of those like Rex Chapman joints at a thrift store uh, back in like 2016, and unfortunately, when I got when I saw it, I was like, "No way!" It's like vintage Rex, Rex Chapman, like Hornets Rex Chapman thing. Uh, 
And then when I got home, I was like, oh, no, that looks like a mix between Vince Vaughn and Barack Obama. Or maybe like Ryan Luke. And, and so I, I never wear it anymore, but I, I found it. And I got a female picture because I posted it on Twitter. And Rex Chapman was like, yo, that looks nothing like me. <laughs> Rex and Chapman, all- Chapman and I Twitter friendship. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's everywhere. Um, fantastic. Spencer, before you quote this fourth grader, I would like to quote his father. This is what the father told CBS News. Quote, about his son now. He's not a big fan of school. <laughs> <laughs> the project was just an attempt to get him interested and excited. Wow. That, what, a, what, a power, what a power dad move to tell <laughs> CBS News. Yeah, my son, not a big fan of school. <laughs> Jeez. That's right, Daddy. <laughs> after you won a science fair, after you did something <laughs> successful, God. Uh, yeah. So uh, he he won this this contest, and then uh, at the very end, when they're asking him about it, um, I believe the quote the quote that he said, just to wrap it all up here, right, was um, was about. Edelman, he goes. Oh yeah, Edelman. Edelman does steroids. Like that's. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I've learned a lot. I've had a lot of fun, and Julian Edelman does steroids. Yeah, just drop that at the end of. What a cherub. There was also, there's another quote from here that says that asks him uh, what he would tell Tom Brady if he ever met him in person, and he would he, t- he said he would tell him that he needs to retire. Small boys. Oh, and he also <laughs> said, and give me some of your money because you don't deserve it. <laughs> Small boys are amazing. Yeah, that's wild. That's that. You know what? I regret that we didn't think about this until today. But what we should do for the next Super Bowl media day, which is always terrible, and it's happening right now, I think. Oh, we yes, should tonight. just let's just send a bunch of children who don't like Tom Brady and pepper him with rude child <laughs> questions. <laughs> and that will only highlight the age difference. <laughs> How long do you have to live? That, that'd be the first question. You get a bunch of little kids and somebody's like 40 or over. They're like, oh, my when, when are you going to die? Why did you leave your girlfriend yeah. when she was pregnant? Oh. oh. <laughs> Why are there a lot of... Just yeah. one of them raises a hand. Do you remember a woman named Christine about eight years ago? You met her after a Cardinals game. Oof. It's more believable that way. I'm selling the fiction. Hey, I'm gonna veer here. Hanif, yeah. do you want to tell us about your new book? Yay, yeah, there you go. I forgot that. That's also one. Um, yeah, I have um, a book that comes out, I guess, on Friday. Um, that's on a tribe called Quest. Most books come out Tuesday, but I don't know why this one's coming out Friday. Uh, I'm very excited about that. But honestly, the thing with books is that bookstores kind of just start selling a book whenever the hell they want to. Um, so people are like sending me pictures of it, like, I got your book. I didn't think it came out already. It's like, well, yeah, thanks. Um, but it is a book about a tribe called Quest. It's called Go Ahead in the Rain um, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. Um, and yeah, it comes out with University of Texas Press, who are really great. They, in like twenty late 2016, approached me and were like, do you want to write a book about Eric Badu? And I said, not particularly. 
Um, <laughs> I, I love Erica Badu. Uh, well, I have enjoyed the music of Erica Badu. I oh, yeah, but, like do, but do you like, do you, do you love her a book's worth? Like, you can't go, because, you know, like, there's a lot of yeah. stuff that you like, but you can't go a book length on it. Yeah, it didn't feel like I was a person to write it, but and I, I kind of um, back I, back when I was at MTV News, I had had these three pieces on Tribe that I'd, I'd written throughout the year, um, and they kind of built their own book proposal, and I just kind of pursued this grand idea of writing a long epic to fandom and loving a, a group and um, you know being of a very specific era of, of hip hop and what that meant for my awkward and somewhat sometimes terrible childhood. That is um, like, I love that, that, you know, and, and I've followed you on Twitter for a while and your stuff on music is, is magnificent. And I knew this book was going to be good because you have another extremely correct opinion, which is that one of the most underrated rappers on the planet is, uh, is Dro. Oh yeah, I think um, I, I like it's funny because I I'd seen I, I did this whole like Instagram story thing and I was talking about how much I I I love Young Dro and um, was so fascinated by his um, abilities with sound. I, I think his ear was so good as a writer, right? He was just so sonically interesting and the the threads he could connect linguistically. Um, we're always so fascinating to me. And I think that he was kind of a victim of an era shift. He kind of came in the middle of an era shift and he kind of could have hit a peak um, with T.I. as a buffer, but then T.I. was like not present. You know, T.I. like did a bid. Um, but I think that really hurt Drew's career. Um, and he kind of just like never... I think he was doing something in, in, in that rap in Atlanta was was moving away from, uh, and so he kind of got caught in this in this cross era shift and never really caught on in the way that I thought he could have. But I also saw Dro. I'm thinking about Dro now because I saw him and Ti perform together in Georgia in 2017, and they performed We in the City together, and it was indicate yeah, it was like indicator at this festival. Um, and it was like shortly after Shorty Low died, and they did, they like, T.I. bought him out, they did in the city together, and it was like a real immense joy just washed over the crowd. And it reminded me that, um, you know, in some cities, even if you never like quote unquote make it or whatever that means, in some cities you've already made it to a whole group of people there. I have one more thing about Young Dro that is my favorite thing, which is that <laughs> if you see him, right, like, it, this is one of the best parts about living in Atlanta is that I think, you know, if you like saw them on stage together and you didn't live here, you'd be like, oh man, look, they're back together again. You know, look, it's like, it's T.I. and it's Young Dro. And, and you're like, yeah, I don't I saw them at like, you know, I saw them at Chick-fil-A the other day. They were just like hanging out. Yeah. And that's not like, and that's not even like a, you know, like statement of, you know, proximity to celebrity. You're just like, no, nah, man, they still, they still like, you know, hang they're still like, oh yeah, here, let's let's get our kids on a play date. You know, like, they, like yeah, I went yeah. to a fundraiser for I went to a fundraiser for uh, my kids' school, and Big Boy was there, and you know, a couple of members of the Dungeon family showed up, and hey, work done, walked in, like, hey, okay, this is this is perfectly normal. 
this is this happens every Wednesday here at Comet Bowling here in downtown Decatur. Yeah, hey. <laughs> um, you wanted to ask him about the 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 cover. Yeah, the reason I well, when you when you see the cover of the book, you'll realize why I want him to ask him about it. And the the sports writer's least favorite question is is questions that start with talk about. But Hanif, when I was uh, introducing your work to the two members of our podcast who were not already familiar with it, I showed them the cover of your second book uh, with the the wolf gentleman and the tracksuit, and they were like, "Oh, we get it. This guy clearly needs to be on our podcast." And the third one is a very, is very stark graphically. And the process of getting to that cover is something that you talked about a little bit on Instagram. And I thought it was really fascinating. And I wondered if you could run us through it here. Yeah. So on my second book, there's a cover with the wolf and the tracksuit. On my first, my first book is a book of poems. And on that cover, um, there's also a wolf. There's like a boy holding the jaws of a wolf shut. Um, and I had kind of um, cultivated this idea, you know, I won't get into my interest of wolves because it's a much longer story, but I wanted to have wolves on as many book covers as I could. Um, and with both those book covers, my first and second, I had, you know, a lot of creative control. Like my poetry book cover, I found a piece of art and picked that piece of art for it. My second book cover, I like did not make the image, but designed the idea for the image. Um, and pretty early on, University of Texas Press, who are great, this is like not a knock on them, they were just like, you were not, we probably can't let you have a wolf on this cover. Um, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense with the book, and it just wouldn't look good. And I kind of agreed. You know, I was kind of like, well, maybe I just let this go for this book and try it again next time. Um, and then as the cover design started coming in, um, you know, early on, I was like, oh, can I have a hand on the cover design? And they're like, well, let's see what we can come up with first. And as the cover design started coming in, I realized, we, or we all realized that, you know, they just weren't working um, in part because the book, there's just a lot of language. The title's long. My name is kind of long. Um, there's just a lot happening. And so what I did in, in my attempt to get a wolf on the cover uh, was I borrowed the aesthetic from the 1969 Howlin' Wolf album, where I don't know if y'all seen the cover, but the cover just says, this is Howlin' Wolf's new album. He doesn't like it. He didn't like his electric guitar at first either. And so that kind of like Stark deconstructed a lot of language thing, um, is paying homage to Howlin' Wolf, which is a way that I kind of snuck a wolf on the cover. Uh that's absolutely brilliant. Everybody buy it. it. It's it's about Tribe Called Quest and Hanif wrote it. It's got to be amazing. You, um, buy, you buy it on Friday. The Super Bowl yeah. sucks. You turn it off at halftime. <laughs> you read the book instead. Yeah. Put on Midnight Marauders. And Tom, Tom Brady will hate that shit. He will. He'll be like, oh God, this yeah. is like a musical strawberry. It's if poisonous. You, Get it you, away from <laughs> me. If you don't buy Hanif's book, you want Tom, you're on Tom Brady's side. That's true. It's, the math checks a out. A lot of people are probably on Tom Brady's side, honestly. <laughs> they don't listen to this show. It's fine. No, no. <laughs> Most people don't listen to this show, which is just Shh. another problem. Um, Hanif, we are legally <laughs> obligated to ask you, where were you when Ohio State lost to Purdue this year? Oh, I was. Oh, I have a great story about this. 
because I was on a plane back from Los Angeles. Um, I was on a plane flying from Los Angeles to Columbus, and there is, it was my first time ever being in a situation. There's like nothing like being on a plane flying back to Columbus while Ohio State's losing. Um, because there's all this anxiety and there's all this kind of like building rage, but it's trapped in this, in this small space. It sounds like an emotional Langoliers. Yeah. Normally I keep my headphones on whole flight, uh, but I took them off because there were these moments where it'd be dead silent and someone would just shout something. Someone would like yell something from the back. Uh, and at one point, and then people would yell back from the front. It's like someone would yell, oh, God damn it, another one. And someone would yell from the front, another what? Because, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, not everyone, only a couple of people could stream it at a time. Uh, and on the airplane Wi-Fi, it was surely like lagging in behind. Um, but to, to like get on a plane with Ohio State undefeated and land in Columbus with them with a loss is really fascinating. To, I mean, Columbus, the fabric of the city, the entire ecosystem shifts when Ohio State loses. There are times when Ohio State loses football game where I'm not even, I haven't watched the game, but I can tell by how the city feels when I get off a plane or when I wake up or whatever. Um, and to, but to be on an airplane while it's happening in real time was so fascinating. Uh, that was the fan experience distilled down to a really tense, kind of horrific in air moment. I was on a plane in 2014 during the World Cup when Germany and Brazil played. That was the game where Germany beat Brazil seven to seven to one. And yeah. in in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was no Wi-Fi on the flight. So I we didn't have the it's in my suit experience that you had, right? <laughs> Another one. It's in my suit. But I got off the plane and the pilot, uh, the pilot goes, I hear him in this like Texas accent, like classic pilot accent, right? Go like, do what? And, <laughs> and like over the intercom and one of the flight attendants picks up the, the intercom and goes, if you were waiting for the score of the game, it is Germany seven, Brazil one. And I hear, I hear some dude, I can't remember what I was flying to. I think I was flying to like, maybe like LA to Atlanta. And I hear someone in the back go, what the fuck? <laughs> like all the way in the back in front of the kids. And no one said anything. Cause like, I guess all the moms and everyone were like, yeah, man, what the fuck? Seriously. The children need to know how unusual. Children got to know about this. <laughs> they got to yeah. know it ain't right. We can't normalize this. Um, we usually end on a non sequitur. Um, we usually end very suddenly. And if, I want you to end um, this broadcast with um, by naming, let's go, your favorite Ohio State role player. Could be a kicker, could be a punter, could be a kicker or a punter. Could be a could tight be. end who only caught like seven balls. Yeah. So just we'll end we'll end with that name. Thank you so much. You you made it. We you made it. We 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 were going to just, you know, expose you to only so much of this, but you made it the whole time. He's got the full plutonium. I know his bloodstream is poisoned for life now. Uh, So thank you for your time. Uh, This was magnificent. Um, And and with that, if you would leave us with your favorite Ohio state role player. Oh, my favorite Ohio state role player is uh, 
graduate of Columbus Beachfront High School in my class. We graduated together. Uh, Walk-on, who then became a All-Big Ten player, defensive back Antonio Smith. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs> 